Hello friends and folks and welcome back to another episode of Refresh Rate, our check-in here at Scanline Media on the media we've been enjoying lately. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jen Frankel. I'm Kyrie Page. And another month has passed. Spring has sprung. Yeah, sprung fucking allergies on me. I've been dealing yeah. with that. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, it's 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 just one of those things where I it's weird that since I work in a um I work with animals just in general. I've had historically animal allergies. They bother me less, but environmental, I I still got to take something for it. Mhm. But yeah. Also, it's like we never really got a good cold winter, so it's you know, just the weather, right? Am I right? Sure. It was pretty chilly to me, but I get cold easily, so. Well, that's an intro, I guess. That is, you know what? Fine. <laughs> Listen, it's late. We are just, <laughs> we're here to talk about stuff that we have been into. And there has been some stuff that we have been into. Who should go first? I can go first, I guess. I don't really care. All right. Sounds there, good. that's the passion you're looking for, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, then Jed, go for it. <laughs> no, it's fine. So I have been playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. things recently and i don't know if i'm enjoying it i was for a while now i don't know how i feel so um what what has been your arc with this game like were you excited for this when they announced it or what were no. your feelings i was like i was one of those like i mean you know do whatever you want i guess but like resident Evil 4 is still fun and i'm not mm. like you know i don't think i've ever had that experience where i like they announce an update, and I'm like, well, th this game still holds up, and then you go back and it's not true. I think I've been pretty, I've had pretty clear hindsight on this one, of like, no, uh, no rose-tinted glasses. When they say they're remaking Resident Evil 1, I'm like, okay, there are some things you could change. That makes sense. I don't know if I agree with your changes, but I guess 2 is the one that they were went more mm -hmm. heavy on. Yeah. Um, 2 was like a big change of pace. It was like, like, here's the thing. Here's the indicate indicator that 4 was always on the right track in some ways. Like, they remade Resident Evil 2 with the behind-the-pack style of RE4. And RE4 keeps getting ported to system after system. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, I, I, I haven't had a chance to play it. I've watched some friends play it. And I just think... Man, that original RE4 is still a pretty fucking good game. Yeah, I played through it from beginning to end for the first time a few weeks ago, and I had a excellent time, other than, like, thinking a few times, this is a little too long, but it's fun. Boy, I mean, have I thought that a lot during the remake. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they went and made it longer by, like, adding a bunch of side quests, uh... 
mixing and matching some of the... Oh, basically uh, twisting the architecture of the original game around so that you're entering and exiting areas from different locations. Or, like, there's that bit after you help Luis uh, um, cover that one cabin where you basically choose whether you're going in the left path or the right path. Here they just combine both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I thought for a minute that when they announced this game, I thought, okay, you're remaking one of the most ported and also one of the most beloved action games, you know, ever at this point. Uh-huh. Um, I... I, I, I would have thought that they would have focused more on, like, they could have made it, like, a really interesting, like, horror bent, right? Because it's, like, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4 base game, like, on the original GameCube. Well, you know, I, I still conceive of it as a GameCube game. Um, I still I still have my copy, um, actually. And it's, like, that game isn't very scary. There are moments of tension, and I would say the regenerator fight is generally you know, talked about as the scariest part of that game, or at the very least in my memory, absolutely was. Um, But it sounds like they just sort of, I don't know, added Resident Evil 6 combat to Resident Evil 4. I don't know if I agree with that. I I hear what you're saying. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, like, first of all, I think Resident Evil 4 was a, a shift for the series into being more like thriller than horror right Mm -hmm. um and that is a change that they made because they knew it would get them more people right right certainly Um, got me i i never played a resident evil game like back in the day to that like i had maybe messed with one but got too scared but that was like oh four is an action game i'm here for that and so i don't think like making it more horror is I mean, it would be an interesting way to differentiate it, I suppose, and that's valid, but I don't think Mm. it's, like, from the the core of Resident Evil 4, the idea is, what if it was less horror? And I feel like pushing it back in that direction feels a little weird. Um, I think the biggest successes, to me, are stuff like script changes, right? Because if there's a part of Resident Evil 4 Mm -hmm. that feels weird going back to it, it is all the weird sex jokes, Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Didn't Shinji Mikami say something to the effect of, hey, they keep reporting this game. They should probably change the script a little because I came up with it in like a week. Yeah, I mean, they did for the the Wii edition has cut some of those lines. And I pretty much agree with all the cuts because they're basically all just like Ashley being like, hey, Leon, after this, will you fuck me? And it's like, we really didn't need that. No, no, we didn't. Um, and, but besides that, I think there's also some of the, like, the, like, cheesy camp of that, of that era of development, like, a video game development that I don't enjoy as much that has been cut. Like, uh, actually, it's, it's worth, uh, shouting out, um, Lily Gao, who is currently undergoing a bunch of harassment from people. Um, she is the voice actress for Ada in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is the victim of a targeted harassment campaign because people don't think she's sultry enough. Um, what? and it's like, actually, this is a really good thing. You fucking creeps. Um, yeah. and it, 
and to be clear, there are certain lines still in there where she's clearly a play she's talking with Leon in a playful manner, but it's not like the same sort of 2000s-esque language. Like, there's the bit where basically when they run into each other for the first time here, um, she makes a crack like, you don't, you know I don't work until when Leon's trying to ask uh, who her boss is. And, uh, it's a cute touch. Though though I do miss the exploding flashbang sunglasses. I mean, there are some some cheesy touches that I think are, are missed, right? But, like, I don't miss, mm-hmm. like, in in 2023, I am fine with Ada being a lady in, like, you know, jeans and a sweater instead of, like, you know, a super high-slit red dress with a deep V and high heels. It's like, that's kind of incoherent. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also very much indicative of where that series and, like, where it kind of was at the time in 2008. I would was it two thousand eight two thousand seven when two thousand four no. four yeah I was like, like hey, is this a, that's way too late yeah <laughs> way too late yeah it's like it just kind of where like I don't know where culture kind of was at the time uh, mm-hmm. to a certain degree and I don't know I like Gata's new look but that doesn't really matter it's like yeah it's... well and more than being about like whether or not she's like sexy enough right there is a deliberate attempt especially by lily gao's performance here to convey something in the original you were like oh ada's so mysterious and sexy i wonder what her deal is and in this you kind of don't wonder what her deal is right mm-hmm. it's like because it's not that she isn't mysterious but her performance really clearly conveys like hey this is a job to me and I think a lot of parts of it suck and I regret my choices. You, there's a real undertone where she is not like, she is still playful. She finds joy in moments she can, but fundamentally she feels trapped by her job and, and thinks it's terrible. Mm-hmm. They're trying to add, as you say, a dimensionality to the character that wasn't necessarily there um, mm-hmm. beforehand. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Jen, you might be able to speak to like, like, does Ada show up in two remake? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about how her depiction was in two on the PS1 and how, like, okay, yeah, her performance in, like, two on the PS1 matches her performance in four in the original version. But now with this, like, new, more grounded sort of setting and more grounded, I mean more grounded to be clear uh it's still mm-hmm. rather silly um they're still trying to like it it almost feels like our core cast of resident evil characters in the past couple of games like basically since seven are basically the perpetual straight men to like the cosmic absurdity of the resident evil universe well, and I think that's part of what, I mean, Leon in 4 has always been a bit of a, a step away from that. I mean, like, they, they keep the famous line, where's everybody going, bingo, right? And you it is like... say the line. <laughs> I think in the remake, it stands out more. It doesn't feel out of character, but it feels like a moment of higher camp than the rest of the production. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Leon does still feel like a character who is more aware of of, like, the absurdity of the story around him, but also, like, used to it, too, right? He, he is he is neither, like, 
he is neither thinks it's not weird when like, you know, a fucked up lake monster appears, but also he doesn't like freak out when it's like, oh, okay, this dude's head exploded and a bunch of tentacles burst out. All right, I guess I'll deal with this, you know? Yeah, yeah it's not but- like for Leon, like original for Leon, who is just kind of like cool action hero guy above it all. I'd say they replace one type of camp with another. Like, uh, original for Leon is all about making James Bond ass quips and saying things like, oh, your hand comes off, and lines like that. Meanwhile, his conversations on the radio are, like, using a bunch of Secret Service slang, like talking like, Condor to Roost One. We got Baby Eagle. We need to take Baby Eagle. We need to take Baby Eagle back to the nest. <laughs> uh, classic Secret Service. Uh, we're trying to make this sound cool, but we're so we're in such a position of privilege. We're actually not making any attempt to make our communications hard to understand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, like anybody who intercepts. Yeah, anyone who intercepts that is like, oh yeah, the president's daughter is here. <laughs> it's really, uh, Secret Service is embarrassing. Um. Mm. But mechanically, I think me, I am trying to decide. Um, I think a lot of the level design changes I am more mixed on. The basic gameplay, though, I think that the, the, you can boil down the changes by saying enemies take fewer bullets and there are more of them to balance that out. Mm-hmm. That's basically how everything goes. And I think for the most part, it does feel better. Um, it's funny, I recently watched, like, a behind-the-scenes thing, and they're talking about, like, how much work they did to make, in the original Resident Evil 4, your basic pistols sound good and feel good to use. Mm. It fucking doesn't. <laughs> it feels, like, really like a pea shooter. Um, and that's fine, and you get other weapons that feel stronger and feel good. But, like, at the beginning of that game, you have to shoot people an alarming number of times for them to die. Here... Enemies, like, like in 4, enemies get stronger as you go through. At the beginning, shooting someone once in the face and then running up and roundhouse kicking them will usually kill them. Mm-hmm. In the remake, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah, um, unless you're playing the uh, hard difficulty, which the which the game deceptively marks as, oh, if you play the original Resident Evil 4, play this. No thanks. I think I'll play uh, games on normal difficulty. Thank you. <laughs> Pretty much everyone I've talked to who ended up choosing the hard difficulty because the game told them to regretted it. Also, doesn't it still have the dynamic difficulty like system or is it like less tuned or whatever? I don't think it does. If it does, I haven't noticed it as much. But mm-hmm. I think difficulty is difficulty and it doesn't it doesn't have that that dynamism it had in the original release. Also um, with like to remake they ha- they already introduced a different style of dynamic difficulty where based on the amount of shots you were firing how much ammo you had etc that would affect what you were picking up yeah that, that's actually that's the point they might still do that one where they mm. sort of like smartly adjust pickups and stuff i would certainly believe that the way my encounters have gone but like how many enemies spawn how much they take to kill that sort of thing i don't think they're doing i see because in original four, that's what would happen. Like you know, there's a pretty like if you everybody remembers that sort of like scene in the water basin in original four, and if you like fuck up enough times, which you do because it's a really hard section, 
like you notice you know the idea is that the player in the moment doesn't notice yeah there are like less dudes being spawned in um but you know when you look at the footage it's like oh yeah it starts out with four guys on like a on a balcony now there's only two Mm -hmm. um and it sounds like in four remake there will always be four dudes on the balcony but the game will be more generous with its like ammo um distribution yeah yeah i think that's been like i have when i was really low on crates i really excuse me when i was really low on ammo i would break a crate and find three things in it instead of one and it's like Mm. that feels pretty clear what's happening here sure um (sighs) yeah also they they aren't as generous with the ammo this time around but that's partially because they want you to be crafting your own ammo using the gunpowder and parts that you get Mm mm-hmm um, which is not a system I love, but I guess it's fine. It's it's they have created various over the course of these remakes, like different systems for like crafting that are never particularly fun. Mm-hmm. How how is Attaché Case 4K 120? Besides just besides Attaché Case HD, they give you an auto sort button, which is the worst feature in the game. <laughs> sorting is the okay let's put an auto sort button into fucking tetris what are we doing right what now are we <laughs> fucking doing that's like man it bums me auto out. I never sort. use it <laughs> that sucks the thing that i have to keep in mind when i'm playing this remake and comparing it to the original more than anything else is the fact that every typewriter now doubles as a storage box um and that kind of completely changes how you, like, sell weapon. You you basically take... You, you're very selective with what weapons you want at any given moment and what you're going to carry forward. And you kind of just sell things as you go on and uh, upgrade. You, you get into this loop of selling an upgrade but always carrying your entire kit with you. And that's that's something you can potentially sidestep in this one. Yeah, I think, I mean, I still am playing, like, there are some things that you can do in this game that I am, like, deliberately not doing. Like the sort button, there's also the ability to send something to the, send a weapon, not not like ammo or healing herb, but you can always send a weapon to the box no matter where you are. You can be in the middle of a boss fight and just warp it to your box. Um, And that feature seems stupid, so I don't use it. Um, But... I do think for the most part, I, I like, I think that the feature of being able to access boxes anytime you use a typewriter feels more necessary because they added a bunch more weapons. Like Mm -hmm. you're picking up knives all the damn time now. And there's like a crossbow where you can craft bolts out of knives. And they added like a new gun to almost every category. And it's like, I just am assaulted by shit (laughs) that I need to get rid of. Yeah, and also you get pre-order guns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are both pretty bad. They're, you know, they're better than what you have at the moment you get them, aka the very first moment of the game, right? But, like, that shotgun is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, out, of, out of curiosity, what would you say is, like, say... 
say someone plays the remake and wants to play the original, what in your mind is the best way to experience that original? Because it's on like a billion consoles now, but what is like, do you think the best way to experience that game? I mean, I don't really think there's a, like, none of these versions are like bad, you know? Um, I'd say just play it on, you know, whatever platform you have, just play it there. It's fine. Um, if you want to go out of your way, I think the script changes in the Wii one will be, will make it, you'll have fewer moments where you're like, Ugh. um, so that would be nice. But like, do you want to do motion controls for all of that game? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Also there's the VR version, which I feel like would not be a good first choice. Sure. Just because it changes the very deliberate way the camera works, and uh, it it suddenly becomes much easier just to point and shoot your way through the game. One of my um, favorite YouTube essayists, uh, Jacob Geller, actually did a really interesting like look at VR RE4 and how like the introduction of VR really forces him to reconsider how he plays that game and figured out that like his he's left eye dominant but a right-handed shooter and huh. it like forced him to like take on this weird cross-arm style of shooting like it, it's a, it's an interesting little little essay i think people should watch it to me i i have like i'm sure this exists in some way i just think about how tuned that original resident evil 4 was for the GameCube controller, and I remember how good it felt to play with that. And I wonder if there's a way to play any of the modern PC ports, but with like a GameCube controller, like attached with like those prompts considered. But I, I just have so much fondness for that original release because it is just it's really impeccable to go back to that original release and how think about like oh how well they nailed it right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, part of the success is nobody, not many games tried to do what Resident Evil 4 did. It feels like they took lessons but didn't try to replicate the game. The closest you got was, like, Dead Space, and it was doing its own mm. thing enough, which we also recently got a remake of. So there's that. That's hey, fun. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> um, but also, uh, Jen, how far have you gotten? Um, I just made it to the hedge maze, basically. Uh, so do, you didn't do the Ashley segment yet, is that right? Um, I, I did get to the bit where Lost Plagas kicked in, and I had to go find her on the other side of uh, that particular gate. Yeah, that's not... Um, what quick the, spoilers what here. Um, I will I will jump in here, I'll give you a timestamp to skimp if you really care. Um, but for, for a segment of Resident Evil 4 Remake... Jump to 2642 to skip though this isn't as spoiler as we thought this is probably from the original game and we just forgot uh there is a segment where uh, as leon you get caught in a a trap that is a cage and ashley has to run off and do a little adventure to get you out mm -hmm. and yeah it sucks it sucks it is like they are trying to do a very like prestige ps3 horror game thing no. where it's like all she has is like a lantern and she can shine it on enemies and they won't move while the light's shining on them and it's just really and you're running around like pulling switches while dudes are chasing you with swords it fucking sucks and 
It's so long. And it also is such a weird insert into the game because what happens tonally is Ashley gets kidnapped. You run, you get her back, right? You go like five steps, you trigger a trap, she runs off, frees you, and gets kidnapped again. Yeah, that, that tracks. <laughs> Listen, in the original game, there is, in the original GameCube release, I think they patched it out of later releases, which is bad and stupid. They should keep it in every single one. If you throw, like, one of the things during the Ashley sec- section in the original game was there are these vases and shit that you could throw at your pursuers. But mm-hmm. she still had Leon's animation skeleton kind of still buried in there. <laughs> so if you throw a vase at like one of the cultists and run up to it, you get the suplex button. <laughs> so Excellent. Uh, like that should have been emphasized like in every other remake. Like keep that in there because that's hilarious to see um, this like the president's daughter suplex a dude and their head explodes. Um, that's the sort of camp that I like live for. No, the, instead the emphasis here is on just how vulnerable and weak she is because she literally, all she can do is make people stop walking towards her. She can't do any kind of attack at any point during the entire thing. Like, isn't that pretty much how, like I, I played through the Ashley section on switch earlier. And, uh, that was pretty similar to that aside from like this whole, this whole sequence where you're continuously hitting quick time buttons to dodge knights. Uh, throwing axes at you i mean well it's the same thing okay i apparently have forgotten some of the details of that but also there are no quick times in this game so are you tired of hitting buttons to dodge axes okay you don't dodge them you die game over (laughs) i got a lot of game overs at the very least, like, that original section, in my mind, was one of, certainly Ashley is not empowered, but you still are making decisions, you're, you know, trying to, you know, keep quick reflexes, you have this implication that she's quick on her feet and is, like, unarmed, but, like, she's not totally helpless. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel pretty differently than that, having just played it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe memory's making a fool of us. Maybe. But I don't know. I just I have stopped. I think I'm probably about to do the the Ramon Salazar boss fight in like a second here. But I'm just exhausted with this game. Um I don't Which know. It's not I've... a place you wanna be for Resident Evil fucking four. <laughs> Right. And I mean, you know, I, I did play a lot in a short period of time. There's a degree of which, like, I sort of did this to myself. I, I binged a little bit because I ended up buying this while I was on vacation for something to do on vacation. Um, mm-hmm. But also... Real quick, I think you two played this on on Steam Deck. How does it hold up on Steam Deck? Uh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, aside from one very specific uh, segment, it runs perfectly. Like, there's a bit where suddenly... It is raining and storming, and it is night out, and there's a bunch of fire effects everywhere, and it, it has trouble with that. But oh, yeah. Other Alpha effects will absolutely fuck up any sort of system, even high-end ones. Yeah. But other than that, I think it's been it's been pretty flawless, and I, like, I can imagine it probably struggles a little bit there, even on PS5 and stuff. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that segment doesn't do anything, but, like... It didn't, it was certainly not unplayable. It was just you noticed that the performance dipped a little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it helps that, like, 
games on the RE engine, like by Capcom as of late, are really well optimized um, to the point where, like, I don't know, I was playing some Monster Hunter Rise uh, earlier this evening, um, and it's like, damn, this is just a good-looking game on, like, some pretty old hardware at this point. Uh, like, it's, it's just that, that engine, they have made themselves, like, a really flexible engine that scales really nicely to hardware at any almost any end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's but that's a shame regarding RE4 remake. Um, I didn't realize there's no QTEs anymore. Besides yeah. like mash prompt. Besides like I think what is there a mash prompt to like escape grabs? But yes, there's a mash like, prompt to escape grabs, and I think there's something like that for like when you parry certain things with your knife. But they're all in action. Nothing ever happens during a cutscene, and there's no like react prompts. You don't got time to make a save profile. <laughs> Also, I'm pretty sure it follows the lead of other AAA games uh, as of late and allows you to change any taps to holds in the options menu. Which is good. You know, you should yeah. be able to do that. But yeah. also, like, I don't know, like, having, having like, QTEs in original RE4 was designed to, like, just kind of keep you on your toes during the cutscenes. Um, they were there for a reason, I think. How many times did you die during the knife fight? When I was a kid, dozens. Yeah. And I mean, there's Jen a certain degree to Jen which Jen apparently cleared it two tries. I okay. Wait, the original Krauser knife fight? Like, I just, I didn't have to retry that at all. I'm just gonna right. QTEs. Like, I've been playing games for oh, a long time. I'm sorry we're so fucking useless, Jen. I'm sorry we're so bad. <laughs> so Why don't you go start your own site? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. You were saying something. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I think I, I, like... I think it's fine if you haven't played Resident Evil 4 to play the remake, right? I think you can go mm. either way and still have a good time. Um... Resident Evil 2 Remake is good. People should play Resident Evil 2 on the PS1. That version of the game is really different and really cool, and they don't make oh, games yeah. like that anymore. Yeah. I remember playing that on my Vita. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does... I think it is... Yeah, there's some good backwards-compatible versions of it. Um, and, like, the Remake 2, again, is fun, it is trying to make re uh, Resident Evil 2 into Resident Evil 4, right? That's what basically mm -hmm. all the remakes have been. Well, all, I say t it's only been 2, 3, and 4, but that has been the trend. Um, and these games used to be different, and they were cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's kind of a shame that Capcom doesn't do much with those older Resident Evils. Um, especially Code Veronica, which, like... <laughs> um, that's always been a situation where Shinji Mikami has been kind of annoyed at how it, it was supposed to be the Resident Evil 3 or Resident Evil 4, but because of the whole situation within Capcom and between console manufacturers, it always got pushed as the side game, even though it was supposed to be a main game and like... You basically never hear Capcom say anything about Code Veronica, and they just straight up skipped it. And they're like, "Okay, Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Three, Resident Evil Four remakes." 
Well, they didn't do remakes, but back when they were doing all the re-releases, they did do Veronica. We played mm, so Veronica X a little while, like a year or two ago, I think. Yeah. It's a really rough game, but it's really interesting, too. Anyway, that's all I've got to say on Resident Evil for now, until it turns out that Resident Evil Village fucking wins our stupid poll on our Patreon, and I have to play it on stream. Mm. <laughs> Listen, I have I have plans if that wins. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go next? Uh, I could talk about Dredge. I basically ended up hearing about it near the end of March, and it immediately it took what kind of bothered me about Moonglow Bay and kind of resolved it. Because, like, you watched me play a bit of Moonglow Bay, didn't you, Six? Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that game? It was cute and boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's It does have this nice element of just going out there, catching fish, uh retiring to your cabin and all that sort of stuff, but it is one of those situations where there's something missing to it. You want fishing, but fucked up. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Dredge is kind of that, yes, but also, like, it adds this interesting texture to the world itself that makes it more... Really got it... It basically got its hooks into me. So basically, you're heading out to this series of remote islands, uh, intending to be a, a fisherman there. Your ship gets caught in a storm, and you're more or less working your way up from the weakest piece of shit vessel they have to... and building it up into something that is more capable of, like, retaining all the fish you're catching, and, uh... So you're upgrading an existing ship, you're not built buying new ones? Exactly, yeah. You're gotcha. you're basically adding new mm. things to it, like the ability to dredge things at the bottom of the water, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the way in which you said uh, the that... ability to dredge, dredge, <laughs> <laughs> uh, voice cracks coming the worst time. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, like it also has this occult sort of uh, thing going on in the background where. Right off the bat, once before you go for your first day of fishing, the mayor just kind of warns you, oh yeah, by the way, do try to get here before sunsets. Things don't go well when the sun sets. And as it turns out, like, there's a number of things that can go wrong when the sun is down. Like, you see little little tornadoes or gusts that appear that can mess with your ship. Even with your lamp on, sometimes rocks will appear five or ten feet in front of you where there didn't used to be any. And uh, depending on where you're located, you might also run into some very large fish below you who are not who are not eager to see you and will ruin you, more or less. Much you're like not the neon. big... 
they're not your big catch, you're theirs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And it also does this interesting sort of situation where you're talking to a lot of the residents for these various islands, and a lot of them have intense moments of like regret and people they've lost to this peculiar sea. Like, uh, there's this one person who has uh, lived in this reef area for most of their life. Uh, this series of, uh, hmm, this series of cliff-like uh, islands, essentially. And uh, one day, a larger fish just showed up and started burrowing its way through the rock itself to the point where if you get into... If you end up going through some of the passages that this uh, fish has burrowed out, you might have trouble finding your way back because it's so maze-like. And uh, you just kind of hear him talk about, like, yeah, I, I would move, but... I did end up having a falling out with my brother years and years ago over family succession. And the crest that I ended up stealing from my brother, like, got taken by this fish. So... You gotta fish it out? Yeah, in order to help this person move on and, like, move to a area where he can actually live. <laughs> it's this, this interesting situation where you're... You're running into all these various people who, like, there's one bit where you're docking at this, uh, you're you're more or less your starting zone, and this old woman will come up to you being like, oh, sorry, I heard a, I heard that engine noise, and I was certain it was the engine of one of my long-lost friends, and, uh, you take a look at lighthouses and the narration comments on how... The narration guesses how long that lighthouse has left before it might end up sinking into the seas or breaking entirely. It's this very morose game that also finds a certain amount of humor sometimes, just in the way that, like, you'll catch fish alongside your normal-looking fish, and suddenly you'll catch something that it plays a little bit of a discordant theme, and it's like, oh, this fish is kind of fucked up. Here's three eyes. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess that's been that's one of my two big questions is like, how do they manage the tone? Because I don't know if I'll ever get past just the no, it's fishing, but fucked up. It's like I can't <laughs> take that up. seriously. So, I don't care how you write it. <laughs> like Jen, here's the question. Mm-hmm. I guess I have is sort of why does this game specifically to you like what does it like what what part of your lizard brain does it scratch that makes it engaging so despite everything else i've said so far it's kind of a relaxing game um for the majority of your time you are just like going out into the day and uh getting some fishing done and uh getting back before sunset or like picking and choosing your sunset hours very carefully and there's something about that repetition, that specific, like, going out there, doing the fishing mini game, and uh, that constant back and forth that is almost... It, it's both pleasing and relaxing, especially when you start to pick up pieces that you can put into upgrading the ship. And uh, you also go around, like, 
helping other people relocate to different islands just because you can like put them in your inventory <laughs> and that just means that they're along for the ride as you take them to another place um yeah it it, it finds a decent number of ways to vary things from just fishing and that's the kind of thing that keeps me engaged like i'll spend a bit of time fishing just to get enough money to build upgrades or buy something I was really interested in, maybe pick up a new book that gives me a new stat. And once I've had my full of that, I can go retrieve something and hopefully not run into that uh, fucked up fish I mentioned earlier, the one that's just lurking under the bottom of the sea. And uh, Now, can you play this with the Sega Pro, like, Pro Bass, like, controller? Oh no, the, the fishing is QTs. You can't do that. Oh, man. <laughs> more and more, this game takes things away from me. My other question is, so the way you described it, you talked about like, oh, you better get back before sunset, and my mind immediately jumped to dying light, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Is this a thing where there is like a day-night cycle, and if you want, you can just never be out at night? And if so, are there incentives to be out at night, or is that just is that just a complete? It's not like that at all. Um, it definitely requires you to be out at night sometimes in order to progress. Um, it just needs you to be you. You need to be careful about how you're managing not only your nighttime activities but also your sleep because uh, if you start to get tired by staying out too late, you can start hallucinating things like the. The day-night meter at the top of your screen, if you're starting to get tired, will have a blinking eye that appears, and the the more tired you get, the redder that eye becomes. But uh, you can do things to circumvent that by, like, you can rest at any time at any of the docks, and you can choose when you stop resting. It defaults to waiting until dawn, but if you hit the cancel button, like, at night you technically have gotten some sleep, but you can still stay up and get stuff done. I, hmm. Jen, I, I guess my... What is this... What is it all build towards? Like, I'm hearing you list off, like, a lot of, like, contingent mechanics. And, okay, I can go fishing, and I can get a fucked up fish. Like... What is this all, like, is there a story that is, like, it's building up to something? Or is it supposed to be this game that you just relax and fish in a fucked up place forever? There's a lot of individuals with their own stories going on. And, like, by going out and catching some of the weirder fishes and uh, bringing them to certain people, like, you find out more about that person, you fill out an encyclopedia of, like, the... 120 or so fish that they've put into this um you're you're basically making your way through this situation not having much of a purpose yourself other than fishing but like helping others fulfill their purposes like someone like trying to dredge a specific part of the island in order to help someone find a t- momentum of their lost one or in some cases, it's as simple as just like, hey, here's this really weird looking fish. I haven't actually, 
I don't know what happens if you eat them, so please bring one to me so I can eat it. And then they eat it and they're like, oh, this was a really bad idea. I need you to leave right now. <laughs> okay. It, I guess it sounds more normal than I expected, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's very good as like a tone piece that's like, it manages to both calm you this act of repetition while just getting you hooked into this sensation of here's a bunch of people who have had a pretty rough, who have had pretty rough lives and you can, you can set about improving them or in some cases if you do what they want you to. You can sometimes make them worse, but it does feel like you're interacting with actual people at times. You can be their angel fish or their devil fish. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. I guess to me, it's one of those types of games that, like, I, from your description, from, like, what I have seen of Dredge, I wonder, like... You know, what, not just like, oh, was it building towards and maybe it not having like much of a point is in fact its point. But like, so clearly it's gotten its hooks into you. Like, are you going to like get to the end game? Is there, is there an end game? Like, what does that like kind of look like? I'm almost certain there is an ending just because you end up meeting a few people who are continuously giving you new things to do. And uh, I am slowly making progress towards bringing this one man in a um, deserted lighthouse enough uh, items from shipwrecks that he can study. He's also the person who basically, once I brought him my first item, he pulled out a red tome, read a few... Um, words and suddenly <laughs> I could make my ship go faster using this accursed spell or whatever. So there's clearly things happening that it's slowly unfurling. It just mm -hmm. takes its time doing it. Sure. Much, much like fishing, you kind of have to sit there and wait a little bit. To for... reel in the big one. Mm-hmm. Fishing but fucked up. What kind of sicko fishing have you been getting up to, Kyrie? Oh, yeah, so, uh, so Six, you've been talking about Resident Evil 4 Remake, and that's, like, a super spooky, scary thing, and Jen's talking about Dredge, which is, like, real horror piece, and I have decided in that same spirit to watch a bunch of Dragon Ball Z Kai. Oh my god, the little how little work they did on the boo saga is scaring me. Scary. So okay. Um so uh before the pandemic hit, me and Jen we bought some like Jen had not seen Dragon Ball Z. Um mm -hmm. and I was like, I want to fix that because I have a lot of affection for Dragon Ball Z as a story. 
Um, I think it's like a really compelling, and cool story, and it helped that we had those DVDs and I think the first Blu-ray or whatever set. Um, and then during the pandemic, one of our like activities um, was just sort of watching a couple episodes of original of Z Kai. Uh, for those who don't know, Dragon Ball Z Kai is a re-edit of Dragon Ball Z that remixes like the soundtrack, redubs it in both English and Japanese, and also cuts out as much filler as the directors deemed like unimportant to the core story of Dragon Ball Z. Um, and the, the original run goes up until the Cell Saga, like the ending of the Cell Saga, which is great. The Cell Saga is incredible. Um, but then they have the Boo Saga that they are going to do. And that one is quite long. And they decided... Six, have you ever been somewhere where, like, specifically, like, your parents' place and they kept the motion smoothing on the uh, TV? No. No? Okay. No. Or maybe, you know what? Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I can't tell. So sorry, they, uncooperative. <laughs> it's I mean, fine. I know that we. I've been to Jen's place and <laughs> calling out, keeping the motion smoothing on the TV is a bad idea. Um, it makes everything look worse. And what the final chapters, as they have done, designated this section of Z Kai, is the basically the entirety of the Boo Saga. However, it is edited to fit your 16 by 9 TV without any black bars. Um, and so, it, to me, it felt like... It felt like motion smoothing mostly because it's one of those things that... If you watch it long enough, your brain can kind of adjust to it. But it never feels quite correct. Mm. Um, so, like, what'll happen is that that... So, Dragon Ball Z was originally animated in 4.3, and the first half, basically, of Z Kai keeps that original aspect ratio by throwing up some black bars to fill your 16 by 9 television. But they decided for Boo to, like, they got, at the very least, they got the original, like, one of the original directors who worked on the show at the time to kind of help guide this process of, like, framing shots in 16 by 9 but it, it just and that's kind a, of like give like having a painter come to their own painting with a pair of scissors and say tell us what we can cut off yeah that's the thing <laughs> it's like some of the scenes still look fine and but it's like even little, little baby goated sometimes gets like he can't fill the whole frame and if he does he takes up most of it and it's like it's this kind of frustrating way to, like, experience the story. That said, it helps that, like, Z, Dragon Ball Z as an anime is still just really, really good. And so I can, like, slightly forgive it because by not cutting out much of anything from the Boo Saga, you get a lot of stuff of a lot of the interesting side characters of Z just kind of doing, like, mundane things. Like, we're to the point where we're at the World Martial Arts Tournament, mm -hmm. um, and stuff is starting to pick up, certainly, but it's taken us a while to get there. I mean, we just got to the part where Goten and Trunks 
uh, have their fight at the uh, at the tournament in the junior division, and that's pretty cool. I I love seeing those characters fight, and also they're just really fun. Um, I don't know, Jen. Like I said, as someone who had never seen Z before, what is your thoughts so far as as we are going through this process? Yeah, I really haven't had the same issues as you have with the sixteen by nine versus widescreen situation. Mostly because mean, I've never. You mean sixteen by nine by four three? Yes. Um, I haven't had the same issues just because I haven't seen this particular arc uh, in its original form before. But uh, yeah, it. I am enjoying my time with Dragon Ball Z a lot. It's got me already thinking about how. After we finish this, I want to go back and watch the original Dragon Ball anime. And, uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I maybe... The thing that surprised me the most is I maybe like the fluff the most out of anything else. <laughs> like, uh... Just all the bits where Gohan is sneaking away from his uh, classes in order to fight crime and continuously using the bathroom excuse until the teacher's like, yeah, you're not doing that again. <laughs> and then he has to like, he, he taps his foot so vigorously that it ends up uh, causing a earthquake alarm to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like it's such a funny, cute moment where, like you said, Gohan is trying to go and save the day as the great Saiyan man. Uh, and is like, I can't get out of class. And it's like, it really is that, like, unfortunate bit of, like, Dragon Ball storytelling where it's, like, when Goku re-enters the picture, it becomes a Goku story again. When mm-hmm. Gohan's a great character. Um, sh- like, the thing that I, like, really like about um, Z-Kai's final chapters is that, again, by going through this process of redubbing it, um, again, I'm not super familiar with the Japanese, it's just... I grew up listening to Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z in English. That's just kind of what I'm familiar with. And what they've done here is just really good. There's a lot of, like, really fun bits of voice acting, like, from side characters. Like, um, uh, Mr. Satan sounds exactly the same as he was in that original Ocean dub because he has it pitch perfect immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I also, I love Dub, I, I love Dub Gohan. Um, oh yeah, Kyle Urbear kills it as the way, Gohan. Yeah, the way that he immediately has Goku's same nervous laugh <laughs> over various things, like that, that's such a charming detail. Yeah, it's like, this part of the story is full of so many fun and charming details, that um it just kind of like it, it just reminds me of like as much as i love all the action sequences of z and one of the kind of tra- like minor tragedies of z kai is that you don't get as much of the wacky goofy world that um like the dragon ball's like universe is full of fucking weirdos and dinosaurs and like nonsense going on at any given time because you know Toriyama is was principally a comedy writer um mm-hmm. before he did action stuff but back to the point of like the whole 16 by 9 conversion is like when your series would would Z be having such an action focus 
like 4-3 is this really great aspect ratio when it's two combatants fighting each other. Like that is like the perfect like format to see two people like standing at certain distances fighting each other. And the 16 by 9 conversion loses that uh, to a certain degree. And I find that like a little frustrating when it's like there's so many of the other aspects that is so good. Like the new soundtrack, the new dub, like, and it looks great too. Like, you know, they, they fucked up the source footage, but the source footage that they have is still really high quality. Hmm. It's not the worst way to experience it, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember thinking about this idea of like, what would be the ideal way to experience Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z is like, you want to be able to make a cocktail of like the things you want of like, you want the, there's a particular dub with like a particular soundtrack with this, like, you know, pacing. Right. And, um, I don't know. I, I still think it's like a really good way to like, I'm having a good time watching it. It's a good like after work activity for me and Jen to just like, again, kind of like what we did earlier with the, with the first part. It's just watch an episode or two because, you know, Dragon Ball Z is really conducive to just putting on a couple episodes and then picking up the story right where you left off. It's just a shame that like, yeah, you, you talked about like, like making the ideal way to watch, dragon ball z and i don't like i don't know what it would be for me because it's like the first half of kai i think does a really good job but then they clearly lowered their budget and by a result of that budget tried less hard with the second half with with boo saga Mm -hmm. and then like they don't have like there are some of those like everyone talks about the like driver's license episode that's one of Mm. the examples of of a filler episode that you should have anyway because it turns out filler as a term just means it's like it's like the term weed right Mm -hmm. the term weed means plant i don't want by context that could be anything oh yeah and i think i think the way that like anime fans nowadays have definitely weaponized the idea of filler um is certainly Uh like annoying where they'll mention like entire plot lines or whatever it's like oh this is just a filler episode okay what happened in it it's like a bunch of characters just talked for a while it's like that's not filler that's still character work like that's still like it is not filler for when you know gohan is trying to teach fidel how to fly right that's actually like a really sweet and touching moment for them like because they eventually get together in the story and they have a really fun rapport and that moment of Gohan like reluctantly taking time out of his day out of training to train Videl how to fly is like it's just cool and it's like not everything has to constantly advance the plot um and I think it's this idea that you know People say, like, oh, Z just has so much filler. They have so much, like, uh, moments that can be cut. And to a certain degree, there are some stuff that you can cut. But also, it is, like, still a very deliberately paced story at times that you don't want to lose. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think my ideal way would be kind of, like, 
the new, you know, this newest dub, but with like the original Japanese music. And then when nobody's paying attention, I put on that original Bruce Falconer soundtrack from the Ocean dub because it's really ridiculous and stupid. And it's kind of incredible how just a change in soundtrack completely changes the tone of that show. But it's still fascinating uh, nonetheless. Um, but it's still like like i said the core strength of dragon ball z as a story still shines through and it's still like really enjoyable to watch for me yeah yeah it's a it's a classic for a reason um mm-hmm. and it is one of the most like spoiler immune anime out there i'm sure you know everything that happens it doesn't fucking matter it doesn't fucking matter like the the new recut like they reanimated openings um for Zekai like just shows moments from later in the show but it's more like now at this point because of how popular Dragon Ball is as a series it's more like it's almost like building heat to like a wrestling match in some ways <laughs> where it's like yeah. oh yeah you know Goku's going to go super saiyan and fight Frieza and it's going to be the hypest thing you've ever seen you know and they they kind of like imply in final chapters of like oh yeah you know Goten and uh, Trunks are going to be able to fuse and so will Goku and Vegeta and it's going to be cool. Um, and I think you know I remember when we talked about Dragon Ball Super that movie that came out last year like embracing that sort of idea of like almost wrestling culture of building heat and just sort of leaning into that style of storytelling mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah it will be interesting to see how they redub or redo the scene of goku going super saiyan 3 because that original dub sean Chamel nearly fucking passed out no he did pass out mm-hmm. <laughs> from screaming so much uh, he still screams a lot. Let me tell you. Let me, yeah. let me warn you. He still does. Still, and everyone's still... telling him to stop. <laughs> yeah. still... Goku, stop! <laughs> <laughs> still one of the best to ever do it. Um... <sighs> yeah, as a as a person who I I I didn't watch Dragon Ball Z till much later in life, and so I just naturally watched the Japanese because it was by a point where anything I'm watching, I just watched the you know the track it was originally made with mm-hmm. right um and that's a curse because i really like the japanese voice track except for the fact that every member of the sun family is is voiced by the same person and i don't like that at all mm-hmm. yeah and it's like the only difference between like goku and gohan and goten are like can you tell this pretty subtle subtle to a non-japanese speaking ear like the different like you can kind of pick it up long enough like if you listen to it long enough but mm-hmm. still it is it's kind mostly, of yeah it's just like how polite is the speech is pretty much it yeah whereas like one of the big things that the english dub is did was bespoke actors for you know different fucking characters what a what a concept <laughs> um don't 
you, you could do it for Goten. If you'd just done it for Goten, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. But you can't have Gohan have the same voice as Goku. They're so fucking different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. Oh, well. Here we are. Here we are. But here we are towards the end of this episode. Indeed. So Is there... Um, I think you're about to lead into what I think you're yeah. about to lead into. So here on Refresh Rate, of course, we talk about the media we've enjoyed lately, but we also take a moment to, to highlight, since we do this about once a month, uh, something from the last uh, month that we did for the site that we're proud of, right? So who wants to talk first about something that they were involved with, some some project you worked on for the site this month that you want to highlight? Um, I could go first. Please. Um, I felt, so, Embers of War is still, like, probably my most involved podcast, like, by a, by a country mile, right? Because mm-hmm. of the type of work that I kind of put into that. Um, and I guess, like, I'm really proud that, of the fact that, um, not only while you were on vacation, like, being able to, like, set up a series of shows like that particular week, like a new UDR, an April Fool's episode, Embers, that sort of thing. And editing the Call of the Night episode. Wow, I did most of that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um, I was really happy with those, but, like, I guess ultimately, like, Embers is probably my biggest passion project, and I was really happy with... I did some experimentation with, like, the format of that show and also with, like, some of my editing techniques... Um, you know, speaking of Dragon Ball Z, like I, I t- had a moment for Jen's character to spar with her master and I added sound effects that I pulled from the PC release of Dragon Ball, you know, Fighter Z. And it was like, I don't know, I felt like really confident during that entire edit in through that process of making each trying to make each section sound interesting and distinct while experimenting with like new methods. And I was really happy with how that turned out. Yeah, it's it's really, I think one of the challenges you can run into is once you start being like, okay, how do I add effects? Like, what is too much? What is too little? Right? It's a really tricky balance. And uh, I was impressed with the work you did. Thank you. Uh, I can go next. Um, so over the last month, we did several episodes for, sort of focused on, like, our, 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 our catchword for it was origins, right? Mm-hmm. Um and among that, we did a Oops All Anime episode on um, the shows that got us into anime. And for mine, it was Tenchi Universe and Slayers. And it's just really, it's really nice to sort of like, to do the thing, you know, you're like, you're, you're like, you're looking down, you're tapping your fingers together and you're like, I'm sorry, let's look at something that I liked when I was little. I'm sure this is, oh wait, this still rules. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> Slayers. That was a really great surprise. Yeah, Lita versus still one of the anime ladies of all time. Indeed. And then just one other small shout out, which is I have had the chance to occasionally... So I've been taking old episodes of Scanlane Tabletop. It was mm-hmm. previously a paid podcast, a patron podcast, um, and now it has become a free podcast. And we've been week by week rolling out all the old episodes. I believe by mid-May we should be caught up. So we're getting there. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Um, we're in, like, the almost about the final arc of Ghosts of Parliament. 
Yeah. Um, and so I have had on a couple of instances, by the way we title things, been like, oh, this episode doesn't have a name. I get to write a new title for this episode. And so I'm just going to briefly shout out the Ghosts of Parliament Intermission Part 2, We Gotta Stop Meeting Like This or Any Other Way. <laughs> good title. It's a good title. You you have a penchant for titling things, especially with all the... I mean, I know with Bottle Crow, it's like jokes that you make during the show, but like you do have a sharp sense of like giving something a really snappy, interesting name that catches the attention. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Scanline Media. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Yeah, as for me, I I feel pretty good about the novel not new we did for March, um, which was about uh, we actually made good on the novel part of novel not new and uh, discussed a game book called um, Avenger: The Way of the Tiger, and uh, it was great uh, podcast with Six and Six's sister. And, uh, it, it was also just neat to like, it's always a nice surprise when we have a guest that like is really familiar, not only with, uh, the particular thing we're discussing, but, uh, all of the sequels to it and other like things within that genre, specifically in this case, uh, other game books. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, Emily was a fantastic co-host. And, uh, like, I listened to that episode, like, yeah, Emily was clearly very passionate about these adventure books, as it were, but Jen, you did a very good job at leading that discussion, and, like, I I love it when Novel Not New has, like, a really long projected episode, truthfully, like, I like the, like, the Disco Elysium episode was really, like, well done, but also sometimes, like, your ability to kind of get to the like meat of a subject and like i really liked how well you were able to concisely give give about the appeal of an adventure book and it made like i see the copy that you used and i kind of want to like just pick it up it's like this could be fun i i i want to read through this yeah it is fun and it's like it's a kind of thing like adventure game books Nobody in our spaces talks about these. Mm-hmm. And it's it was I, I also was really proud of the opportunity to like, hey, we're going to do like, you know, deep crit on something that, yeah, is this whole this whole field of experience that a lot of people have had passing experiences with through, I mean, often just like, you know, goosebump books or something. Right. But like mm-hmm. there's a whole thing that just nobody talks about. Yeah. When when in some ways it feel like it is in ways the progenitor of the entire visual novel genre in some ways mm-hmm. like having a book that because the the choose your own adventure books are quite old um like those original like books so it's it's really a fascinating way to like see that evolution yeah all right well, I think that's it for, for this one. So we're going to take it straight to our plug zone. Uh, for all of us here, we are all members of Scanline Media. You can find us at scanlinemedia.com. That's our normal website. And then patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. 
That is the Patreon where for $1 a month you can get access to uh, several of our shows, including our weekly Oops All Anime and several monthly shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then at $5 a month you get access to Novel Not New, you get access to our monthly Patreon polls and such. Um, And regardless of that, there's still, what, like 10 shows that you get to listen to even for free? Uh, We do a lot of work around here. There's a lot for you to, to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Old smorgasbord. Uh, Jen, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? You can find me at JB3 on Twitter um, and uh, Jen hyphen and hyphen Aster on co host. Kyrie, what about you? Kyrie, a page on twitter.com. Um, and then also check out You Despaircast. That's the Dang and Rampa podcast me and Jen run. Um, that's a whole dang lot of fun. We're almost done with Danganronpa 3, uh, the anime, so that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Six? You can find me on Twitter at Six Detmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can send them to emails at scanlandmedia.com, but occasionally you just want a more personal touch, and that's why I leave my DMs open on Twitter. So that at Media or that at Six Detmar Twitter handle any DMs I will accept, and I will look at them. I'm not saying I'll respond, because a lot of the times it's people telling me about cool part-time jobs I could get, and I don't... Or this cool them. crypto thing you got. I get so many people who are just like, hey, here's my, like, I don't know how this works exactly, but, like, here's my crypto address so you can send me Bitcoin. It's like, yeah. just sending... It's like walking up to me and opening your wallet. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? There's not it's not even an attempt at a robbery. It's just sort of like give me give me many dollars please and you just say no and no. They, they just that they're like their their ape gets really sad and dejected. It's baffling. Baffling world that baffling stupid world we live in. But till the next till the next what? time we check in and and confirm that yes, we're still living in this baffling stupid world. Peace out, everybody. See ya. Later. Later.